Now, Ken Whelan, you haven't been in studio for a while. Have you been travelling around the world or just staying local? Well, I haven't been doing that much travelling away from home, but I've been around Ireland a lot. And uh, I've been working a lot with communities around the country, uh, teaching them how to look after their rivers and their lakes. And uh, there certainly is a really solid take up now in terms of full communities really getting interested in basically looking after their own resources. And I think in the context of the challenges that we are facing, um, I think that's a really, really healthy sign. So that's keeping me very busy. But I'm still keeping my hand in on a bit of research with the Atlantic Salmon Trust and working a bit on salmon and sea trout and so on as well. Now, challenges like what? Well, in reality, the biggest challenge, obviously, that we're seeing all the time is warming water everywhere we look. And that's a big difficulty. And this summer in particular, we were just flattened by the marine heat wave. I mean, the idea that the seas off Donegal could go up by four degrees centigrade, that is just completely unprecedented. That's a delight for the visitors to the area, a delight for the surfers, for the paddlers, the swimmers. (laughs) They're all absolutely delighted, but they'll end up without any fish and chips if they're not careful. That's the big problem at the moment, is that we don't know the consequences of it. But the level of increase that's happening is really quite massive. As a result of that, just think what's happening in terms of the shifts we might be seeing in terms of currents. The shifts that we might be seeing indeed in terms of the plankton, in terms of the movements of fish. And these are areas that really we're only tiptoeing into now. We don't know enough about them. But I think we're mobilising a citizen army at the moment, certainly in freshwater and increasingly along our shorelines, who are actually going to be our eyes and ears. And I think the way of the future is definitely a really solid movement towards citizen science. And you can see that already happening. So you think the waters get warmer, the fish we have may not survive. But we get new fish in. We're going to be talking about sunfish a little bit later on and the increased sightings of sunfish around in the past few years presumably because the waters are getting warmer, more sunfish here. But does that mean all the fish that are normally here are scarpered off somewhere else where it's cooler? In general, what's happening is everything is moving north. So we're beginning to inherit fish that would have been in the Mediterranean. We're certainly beginning to inherit fish that would have been along the east coast of the state. So you're quite right in that, as with everything in life, even with global warming, even with climate change, that will bring some benefits, at least temporarily. So the warm water species will do very well. But the real risk is that our native fauna and flora, which very often is dependent on a temperate climate and in some instances even cooler than that, um, we'll see a very major shift. The whole ecosystem is upset when the temperatures rise, isn't it? It really is. It's it's not just the fish feeling, "Mm, it's a bit warm here, I better move. It's their food sources also affected. So will you talk me through that? Yeah, well, that's that's really, I think, the main concern. So um, there's some colleagues of mine in the Atlantic Salmon Trust doing some quite extraordinary work at the moment. And what they did was they started in the 1960s and they're looking at what we call zooplankton, which are the little animal plankton species that live off our coast. So if you think about the baby salmon that I talk about often on the programme, going out to sea in May, they actually have to find exactly the right food at the right time if they're going to survive. So if the plankton is changing at that time, there may be a mismatch between what they're looking for and what they find. And indeed, that's what our researchers have actually found. They found a situation where the total energy that's contained within the plankton at that time of the year is actually dropping and has dropped since the 1960s. So even though it might seem to 
a casual observer that there was plenty of plankton about, the overall energy component of that has dropped. And that's really significant, not just for salmon, which they're looking at, but for lots of other species as well. We may see a big increase in the Arctic as a result of some of the changes as the ice melts and so on, but it may be temporary. And again, we, we don't know. So that's why we're, we're unnerved really by this. And we really have to look at it in a much closer way. Last month, we broadcast our documentary about puffins and all of the experts that we spoke to in that programme were united in their belief that climate change, warming ocean temperatures were really a huge problem for the puffin and many other seabirds. It's really very much affecting the ability of them to feed their chicks because while the adults can, can follow their prey fish out to sea and the prey fish themselves are following the, uh, the, the plankton further north, this takes them out of range of the breeding colonies. So the adults are able to survive, but the uh, reproductive rate of the pairs dramatically drops and some mm-hmm. of the colonies in Iceland the, the youngest aren't surviving same same thing in Norway uh, we, we don't seem to be following suit here in Ireland though the populations are dropping it is a worry we can tell a lot about what's happening by studying seabirds so with other species like terns for example we're seeing them now bringing back to their chicks more and more of these traditional warm weather species particularly a, a type of fish called a pipe fish we're seeing these being brought to, to young tern chicks the, the adult terns don't seem to realise that their chicks have problems swallowing these and we're actually getting chicks choking to death in the nest because their parents have given them unsuitable food. So it seems that something doesn't compute. The, the the adult birds are not necessarily able to adapt or to understand what's happening to the changing environment. And this could yet be another problem that's being caused for our seabirds on top of everything else. That, that observation, Niall, in relation to the, the changes in, in, in the food types, that's exactly, I think, the thread that researchers are now following. You might think a fish is a fish is a fish, but if you get something that's very thin, that hasn't got much protein in it, and you're suddenly in a situation where one part of your life cycle is totally dependent on actually feeding on one or two different species over quite a long length of time, and they are replaced by something else that's far less nutritious, that's a real risk and a really serious risk. Richard. The sea is a funny business. It's all one. There's only one sea. We like to think things geographically. Ireland is a nice unit. Britain is a nice unit. But the sea isn't. The sea is all one thing. 70% of the globe is all one republic, if you like, the sea. So the changes are within it. So it's a different sort of concept to us. We can't pick out species so easily because there's no geographical limit we can say, oh, in our area we have lots of skate or we have lots of this, that or the other. We can't do that because it's a transient sort of thing. Floating. It's like the swifts. They're not living anywhere. They're in the air. The fish are in the sea and the sea is everywhere, more or less.